This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports Station. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Well, the football season has officially come to an end, Dave. We'll talk draft and free agency and all that, but now we turn our attention to the world of baseball because spring training will be happening before we know it. We'll be down there, cannot wait, and a lot of what we'll see on the field will be a result of the work some of these players have done locally out here at uh, Driveline Baseball, which we hear referenced a million times, but you're like, ah, what, what is it? What, what goes on there? Well, now we're going to find out because the director of pitching at Driveline Baseball is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is Chris Langan. Chris, how are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, it's it's good to talk to you. And, and, and as I was saying there, we, we hear Driveline referenced a million times, and we just kind of roll with it like, oh, yeah, he was working out at Driveline. For, for those that aren't aware of what Driveline Baseball is, just let our listeners know what happens there, who goes there, what, what's, what's going on in that building. Yeah, basically it's uh, all centered around player development. So guys in the offseason, we do a lot of in-season stuff as well uh, for, for the big league guys. But basically it's an off-season program. We utilize data. Uh, we'll have guys do like biomechanic reports. Um, and we really try to use numbers to get guys to basically perform to what's optimal for them. That's kind of the the quick summary of a spark notes version of it. I could go way more in detail, but uh, that's probably the the good summary there. Well, Chris, how did you uh, how did you come about this? How how did this start? And then you know when did you start working with big league pitchers? And just give us a little bit of uh, insight of what what are some of the things you're working on. Sure. Uh, for me, I guess it started because uh, in high school, I grew up in Nebraska and threw about 83, and I wanted to throw a little harder than 83. So uh, kind of did some research on my own, um, coached a bit in high school, coached a bit in college, got to driveline as an intern, um, worked my way up to full time. And then probably about two years ago, I had my first MLB guy. Um, and then I got the director job basically three months ago or so. So it's been, uh, that's kind of my story, I guess. And then for driveline, um, in general, it's been kind of started uh, really about 10 years ago, but over across the last about five, I'd say, you started getting some big league clients. And uh, nowadays, I mean, we've had about 40, 40 or so guys, uh, major leaguers assess just this off season. So that's kind of been the trend. So what, do players come to you on their own or is it, do you guys work with the teams or maybe the pitching coach, say of the Mariners saying, Hey, I'd like you to work with Matt Brash on this, that, and the other, or is this something that's completely independent of the team? Uh, so it depends on the case. We do have teams that will send us guys, um, and they'll actually pay for it. So that will become very direct. Uh, we've had cases where the player comes and they're cool with us essentially sharing the data with the coach and the information. Um, and then we do have cases that are, are a bit more independent and, you know, part of honestly the draw to drive line for some of these guys is having it be independent per se. I would definitely say for the manners, that's not the, not the case at all. Like they definitely, uh, they're pretty well regarded in terms of how they develop guys, the the information they use. Um, but it is kind of a balance of, of those three. Yeah, Chris, and uh, as you mentioned, we're gonna or Bob mentioned, we're gonna talk about uh, uh, Matt Brash certainly. But who are some of uh, who are some of the guys that that can be seen at uh, Driveline working out? <laughs> uh, so I mean, there, there's a few uh, Logan Gilbert and uh, Matt Festa. Actually, they came up with Brash. Uh, basically right after the year, to be honest with you. Um, so those may be the, the local crowd, so to speak. Uh, I mean, a fun one's uh, Zach Grinky. He's actually been in a bit in uh, Arizona. That's probably, you know, 
it's been the highlight of my life, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's gotten to the point where there are, you know, there's enough guys you don't necessarily have to, you know, name, you know, half a dozen, uh, you know, it's, it's quite, it's quite a few guys nowadays, to be honest. So those are kind of a, a couple that maybe relevant with your audience for sure. Do you have those fan moments where you're like, man, I can't believe I'm, I'm working with, so I'm working with Grinky, I'm working with Brash or whoever, or are you pretty numb to it at this point? Uh, I, I'd say at this point you kind of reach a resistance to it, so to speak, and you kind of, to be honest, you kind of have to to be professional. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I mean, I grew up, a, I grew up a Royals fan, uh, and I mean, I remember Grinky pitching in 2009. It was like the first good thing that had happened to the Royals since George Brett played, you know. So, yeah. um, but 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 I kind of I resisted telling him any of that. I don't think he would have necessarily liked to have heard that. So. Um, but but in general, yeah, you, you kind of grow numb to you grow resistant, and you kind of just put the time towards. All right, we need to we need to tell this guy the truth. We're not trying to be. Uh, I mean, to be frank, we're not really trying to be friends with them. I mean, if they're going to keep coming to us, we gotta we gotta get them better, you know. So we're we're willing to have those tough conversations um, as needed, and as a result, you you got to kind of if you're inside or kind of like, dang, this is pretty cool. You got to be a little resistant to showing that. I'd say. <laughs> You don't want to be like Chris Farley, like <laughs> Granky. Do you, do you remember when you <laughs> threw a no hitter? That's awesome, man. Yeah. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about Matt Brash. So Chris, we've heard so much about him, and you know, from other pitchers like Ryan Roland Smith, and you know, from Pete Woodworth about you know how special he is, and he's got some some really sort of interesting movement on on his off speed pitches, things like that. But uh, tell us. Tell us what uh, what your impression is of, of Matt and what you're working on with him. Sure. So, I mean, the, the known things, obviously, are, I mean, I, I think you could pretty pretty realistically say his slider is maybe the best pitch in terms of, like, pitch movement and velocity uh, in, like, Major League history. Like, I actually think it's, like, that uh, absurd how good the stuff of that pitch is. Um, and the curveball is obviously pretty darn good, too. It's got a little more depth, so it can kind of be the uh, another option for left-handed hitters. And then really the, the fastball, in my estimation at least, the biggest thing it has going for it is just it's thrown extremely hard. Um, but the, the movement profile, at least last year on it, wasn't necessarily great. So it was difficult without uh, elite command, which he just doesn't have, and that's okay, um, to really get results uh, as a starter with the pitch. And then even out of the bullpen, um, really his results were a lot better when he went to those breaking pitches. So the number one thing, uh, was really getting him something that can kind of merge that gap between this disgusting slider that guys are going to be kind of resistant to swinging the bat at at times. Um, and his stuff is really just too nasty to to be reliant on guys kind of standing there holding the bat in their uh, shoulder. And really, when he started, uh, guys just didn't swing at anything, whether it was in the zone, out of the zone. So they really made him work to land those breaking balls. Those pitches can honestly be pretty difficult to command. Um, and then when he went to a fastball, uh, it really doesn't have the movement profile where you can just kind of throw it down the middle uh, and get away with it. So the cutter was kind of the big thing development-wise uh, that, that he's been working on, that he's been throwing over there. Um, and, and really, it's kind of the pitch that is right in the middle of uh, those other two pitches where there's a fastball, uh, a breaking ball with some incredible movement that's mainly swing and miss. Uh, you just need something in between uh, to kind of basically force him to swing the bat at something that's not a fastball. That, that's really the main purpose of it. Well, and Chris, you said something about command and that, like, um, you, you weren't worried about that or something. Uh, is that because that's something you feel like you can you can fix? It's not a not going to be a problem. So the the command really is probably the biggest 
issue with his talents overall. Um, and, and then when you, when you match that with the pitch shapes he throws, the slider and the curveball, especially in, when you talk about it from a starting pitcher context, and, and I know we've got the information on him kind of coming out of the pen uh, for, for the time being and whatnot, but uh, the, it's just very difficult to command those two pitches regardless, really, um, of how good your command is at a base level. And then when Matt's, I mean, it, just to be honest, his command as a starter was a bit below average. I think the best way to develop uh, his ability to start and to get better results out of the bullpen is to just throw a, a pitch that kind of leans into a little bit of cut, which would basically be the cutter rather than throwing a big breaking ball. Um, and basically the hitter has to stand up there and he's got three pitch shapes he has to worry about now. And if you throw a four-seamer 98 down the middle or a cutter at 94 or a slider at 88, it gives you the ability to not necessarily have to command any of those individual pitches great um, because there's so much guessing there. You can kind of get away with throwing each of those pitches over the radius of the strike zone. So are you working – I assume it's all of this, but – I. You're working with guys who are trying to improve their repertoire, obviously, and trying to trying to work with their command and, and, and sort of perfect pitches. But I'm curious for guys that are coming back from maybe surgeries or injuries and things, and maybe maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's having a belief in what they used to be able to do. Are you guys kind of on the mental side of that as well, kind of working with somebody to regain mentally what they had prior to perhaps an injury or even just coming off a really down year? Yeah, for sure. It's always dependent. I'd say Matt, to be honest with you, Brash is probably the guy that typically when people think of driveline and what driveline does, that's like the last person they think that would come to driveline, to be honest with you. Typically, it's guys who have uh, faltered in velocity. Um, that is at least like, you know, before 2020. That, those were typically the guys that people would think of as, hey, that's where that guy needs to go. Um, and, and since then, really, it's been we've got things with command we can do with intended zones. Um, where you kind of can click a location, guy throws it, you can see how much he misses by, and that can kind of, one, give them an ability to actually quantify their command, and two, uh, sometimes they just see where their pitch misses, and they can adjust the target where they're trying to throw the pitch in the direction of that miss, if that makes sense. Um, but certainly, uh, for Matt, it was more of just like that one specific pitch, uh, and it's kind of a way to basically, re- the biggest thing is just trying to negate walks there. You're, you're trying to make it so if it's a 2-1 count, you can't just sit fastball, and also, if you're throwing a slider, uh, like it, it's just like you do not have to land this big pitch shape. Um, so it's always dependent on the pitcher, but we certainly do, whether it's command, pitch shaping, um, getting guys back from injuries. Um, it's kind of the whole ball of wax. Yeah, and Chris, uh, you know, like you said, you, you've got Major League Baseball teams sending you um, pitchers. And w- was that something that you uh, – tell us about how you developed that relationship with Major League Baseball because I think a lot of people would think, well, you've got one guy teaching him this and one guy teaching him that. And so t- tell us how that uh, that relationship with MLB came up. Sure. So uh, a lot of times it is 100% dependent on the team. We're going to have certain teams are going to be far more willing to uh, communicate. Certain players would, to be honest, they prefer the team doesn't know about it, you know. So it is a, a bit dependent there, but it's gotten to a point where uh, there is enough driveline guys that have gotten hired by MLB teams. Um, I mean, the Mets director of pitching, the Yankees director of pitching, the Dodgers director of pitching, um, and our last director of pitching at driveline is now the assistant big league pitching coach with the Angels. So to be frank, that's kind of where a lot of those relationships come from. Um, but it, again, it, it does definitely depend on the team um, and whether or not there's going to be like a ton of exchange of information there. 
So is this is this strictly working with pros and pro prospects, or could I walk in there and say, hey, man, I need to get my fastball up over 60 miles an hour, and I need help? <laughs> oh, uh, 100%. We've got men's league hitters. We've got, we've got everything you can honestly think of. Uh, now, that's not going to be our – we probably couldn't make a legitimate living uh, if that was our only target audience, but uh, we, we've, had some, we've had some unique cases, I'll put it that way. But, yeah, it's, it's mainly high school, college, professionals – uh, that's the main group, but we can certainly – I can pitch it to my CEO, too, if you want. If you, if you think that's a good idea, we'll, we'll get a, another group going there. Hey, Chris, now, are you down at uh, in Peoria? Is that where you're located or down in Arizona? Yes, so we're in uh, Scottsdale. We're okay. in Scottsdale right now. So I used to live in Scottsdale. We're coming down for spring training. I, I'd have to see what the pricing is, but I, I was at one of those booths where you, the radar gun, yeah. you know, and uh, okay. it, it was like 60 Sixty or sixty-one, but so you're not I'm throwing. Think, you're not throwing off a mound there. So that's, nah, but still, I, I feel like we we might need to come down and see you. <laughs> there we go. Hey, well, hundred percent. He'll get we'll us up to six, for a little more traffic. Sixty-five, sixty-six miles an hour, whatever <laughs> yeah. it takes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I want to on ramp a little bit though, but yeah. So okay. are, are you guys kind of split evenly amongst, you know, pitching clients, hitting clients? Is there, you, do you feel like there's, it's, it's more directed at one or the other, or is it just kind of, you, you've got kind of a 50, 50 split. Uh, so there's definitely a bit more pitching. Uh, I mean, we, to be honest, we started pitching earlier. Uh, hitting didn't start maybe till about four or five years ago. So we've had a, you know, naturally you've got a bit more progress on that side of things. Um, but both are certainly trending in in the right direction. Um, also, hitting is just uh, it's a lot. I'll put it this: it's a lot easier to train about twenty guys in, in one room that are pitching than it is hitting. I mean, you got there's a little more restrictions there uh, in terms of hey, you got a guy with a bat up there and there's a ball coming in, he's got to kind of see the ball flight of it. Um, so sometimes just naturally, it's a more difficult to get as many people in the building for that. Just the uh, the trainer to athlete ratio. But I'd say it's, it's there's more pitchers, but the hitting has certainly trended upward uh, in a really good direction, especially this past year. And I think mainly it was just, you know, they got a bit of a late start, uh, having not started as quickly as the pitching did here. Now, Chris, do you ever get on the sort of human side of it, like a guy's demeanor when he's, is it all strictly technical or do you also, you know, Talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some guys get angry or they get, you know, their emotions get involved. Any any work in that regard? Uh, I'll be honest with you on that one. I, I don't think people necessarily are going to come to us for that. And there's a little bit of vulnerability in admitting that. But it, it does keep people knowing that, hey, if I'm coming here, this is the main thing I am coming for. Is something more like, hey, if, you're, if your command's, you know, if you're struggling and you're walking, guys, that 100% can be a component of it. But here is like a player development solution for that that's away from that you know we probably to be honest uh that that's not something we probably put uh all of our resources into if that makes sense um so there's probably not as much commenting on that just because there's a lot more conviction on hey this is kind of this is the main stuff we're good at you know it's like if uh the raisin canes they sell chicken fingers and french fries like we're going to kind of keep it and kind of make sure we dominate those two things first Mm -hmm. As far as Brash goes, you know, the news was he's working on a cutter. You guys are working on that with him. We saw some video that looks crazy. How developed was it when he got there? Was it developed at all, or was he coming in with, hey, I, I really want to perfect this thing? Take us through that particular pitch. Yeah, so uh, he hadn't really, my understanding, thrown it at all. And looking at his break plots, I don't know. He, it might have, maybe he maybe like tried it in a bullpen or something. 
Um, but when he came in, basically Festa, Matt Festa actually came in probably about two months prior, just during the season to kind of talk a little bit. Um, and then he was, to be honest, I mean, I talked to Festa a bit about it. I put out a tweet, uh, kind of tried to, to hunt down Rashevitz, so to speak. It eventually got to him, and then Festa kind of maybe nudged him last second there. Um, but, yeah, the main thing was just he's never thrown a pitch like this before, right? So he's so used to seeing that slider move about 15 inches. Um, you got to find a grip. Grap, uh, Brash has very unusual fingers. Um, also, like finding a pitch grip for him. I mean, it, it was kind of difficult because the way he drifts the ball is just so niche compared to every single other player uh, that I've worked with. So that took a decent amount of time. And to be frank, the first the first day didn't like go that well. It, you know, he's kind of backing him up, and he, he couldn't find a grip that he liked. Um, and then he came back two days later, basically during his assessment, and that's basically where we saw, hey. You threw about 15 of these, and, you know, 11 of them were acceptable. Uh, two of them were good. Uh, and at that point, you kind of just keep hammering it down uh, for the rest of the offseason. Um, and you kind of just – he gets familiar with what the pitch is, the purpose of the pitch is. It's not meant to strike out guys like his slider necessarily. Um, and he's able then to lock in the movement uh, a bit better throughout that time. When you talk about his fingers, are you talking about the, the grip itself, or does he have odd fingers? <laughs> his middle finger he can hook the ball like uh, it, it's nothing like, the only other guys i can think of is maybe alex cobb he's with the giants and stroman marcus stroman but he has his middle finger i i don't even know really how to explain it but he can grip the ball and i think it's why he spins it so darn well and he can just like apply force to the ball forever and the more i think about it the more difficult it's going to be to be able to describe over the radio uh, <laughs> he can uh, he can he can do things with that middle finger that probably, you know, that probably explains why he can throw uh, a slider like he can, because he can just impart force that ball uh, almost forever. Uh, it, it seems like, and when you see the ball come out of his hand on like our Edgertronic cameras, it just can make it basically. You can see the it slows down the ball, so you, or it slows down the pitch out of the hand, so you can see what's happening. It seems like that thing's sticking on there for for a super long time, and allows him to apply force. Um, through that baseball on the outer side of it and throw that wicked slider. And then he kind of does the same thing with that cutter. Now um, it's not necessarily as sexy on a pitch model per se, but, but I think it's certainly um, it's better than his four seamer and will complement his four seamer a lot. Um, a, a good comp on Luis Castillo. He got all kinds of whiffs with his four seam fastball and his four seamer is basically the same as Matt's. The difference is Luis throws a, a sinker with it, and to be frank, his sinker is kind of the pitch that people see on the report, I think, a lot of the times. Um, and when you're balancing those two pitch shapes, that can then make your four-seamer play up uh, mm. above what its current potential is. So that's another benefit of that. Director of Pitching at Driveline Baseball, Chris Langan, has been our guest here with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports Station on 710. Chris, really interesting stuff. Appreciate you taking the time, and hopefully uh, when we're down there in Arizona for spring training, we can come by and you can you can help Dave and I work on our game. Hey, sure thing. We'll get up to 65, guys. <laughs> yeah, baby. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. There you go. Chris Langan of Driveline Baseball. Good stuff. Interesting how they work with those guys and seeing the video of, of Brash working on it and Apparently he's got odd an odd fingers. middle finger. <laughs> I know the next time we, we interview him, you're gonna be like, Let me let me see your hand. Flip me off. Come here. Let me I see wanna that. see you flip me off. Yeah, let me what, see. what do you do with that middle finger? Yeah, is it is it like two inches longer than yeah. the rest of his fingers or something? Well, it's very interesting that this guy his his line of work and what, what they're doing, because yeah. 
they're small movements, right? Uh, I mean, it's not some big difference. I mean, the pretty much everybody throws the same except for the submariners, right? But you're talking about grip and arm angle. And did he, what did he say about a slider? Something about NFL, or I'm sorry, M- MLB history? Yeah. Something yeah, about pretty high praise. Well, I mean, I've heard that same thing from Ryan Roland Smith, where he's like, I've never seen anything like it. And I'm like, wow. Because nobody's had that crazy middle finger. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing endorsement there for him. So, yeah, I think he's he remains you – know, he's right up there with – well, I don't want to say he's up there with Jared Kelnick, because Kelnick is one – I think is the biggest mystery. But I feel like as, as much as uh, there is to, you know, look at potential and what a guy – I mean – this guy, it's almost like a, it's become like a legend to me about Matt Brash. You're fascinated by Brash. I am by hearing things that you know coaches and other players are saying. Like this is really something different. I mean, you don't hear that very often. Yeah, if he can, you know, come up with some sort of command because that was his issue. His stuff and velocity and all that was never an issue. It was he again back to back games. He walked ten guys. Yeah, you just can't do it. Him is as filthy as his stuff can be. You're loading the bait. You got way too much traffic out there, and now he's as a reliever. Uh, you, you look at it and go, "Well, you got to be even more precise because we're bringing you in, you know, in a situation yeah. where we, we, you know, we're we're down a run or we're up by a run. We need you to hang on to the lead or not let them expand the lead. I mean, it's more crucial for that command. So that's been his only, you know, negative, if you will. Is yeah. it, and it's amazing he throws as hard as he does, and he's such a small. He's his stature. He's a small guy. Yeah. So it just, but yeah, his his stuff is pretty ridiculous, especially when you see it from behind him. That video we were looking at that that uh, thumb sent us. It's pretty crazy to see the ball do what it does, and it's all because of his crazy middle finger. Here, Wyman and Bob every afternoon, two to seven.